Hello and welcome to the special edition of The Way Things Used to Be. I'm your host, Don Williams. So I've decided to start something new. This won't be every week, but I'm going to do it more often. This is going to be a segment called What's in My Record Collection. And it's not going to be songs and music, uh, popular stuff, anything like that. I'm talking about the obscure stuff, stuff that you normally don't listen to. What I have in my hands here is a 7-inch long play record. It's called Presidential Profiles, and I'll put a picture of this up on our Facebook page, The Way Things Used to Be, so you can take a look at what it is. This one is a profile on Franklin D. Roosevelt, 32nd United States President. It's titled, The President Speaks, Inspiring Words That Shaped America's Destiny. And this record was put out by the First Federal Savings and Loan Association of Oakland, with 14 offices in Oakland and Macomb counties. So this is right from Michigan. So this is a promotional record that was put out by a Savings and Loan uh, back in 1966. That's the date on this. It is copyrighted 1966, but I don't think we're going to have any issue with the copyright police on this one. So kick back and listen to Presidential Profiles. Franklin D. Roosevelt. Another in the series of Presidential Profiles, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, 32nd President of the United States. So first of all, let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Nameless, unreasoning, unjustified terror which paralyzes needed efforts to convert retreat into advance. At a time when the country faced two of the most crucial periods in its history, the Depression of 1929 and the horrors of World War II, one man was thrust above the swelling waves of humanity, rising on the crest of a nation's hopes and destiny. His name was Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Born in New York in 1882, he was raised in wealth and comfort. But Roosevelt was taught at an early age that he had a responsibility toward those less fortunate. He must respect and fight for the rights of the little man. Roosevelt learned his lessons well. I am fighting as I always have fought, for the rights of the little man as well as the big man, for the weak as well as the strong, for those who are helpless as well as those who can help themselves. At the age of 25, Roosevelt confided to a friend that he had set three goals for himself. He would be Secretary of the Navy, Governor of New York, and then President of the United States. His goals didn't seem far-fetched after he served as Assistant Secretary of the Navy during World War I. Then, in 1921, polio struck, and Franklin Roosevelt was labeled a hopeless cripple, doomed to an early death. But Roosevelt fought back against the faceless enemy. Life was too valuable to lose. Life was to be loved and valued. I affirm that that life must be based on positive values, permanent values. The value of love will always be stronger than the value of hate. Franklin Roosevelt won his fight against disease although he would wear heavy leg braces the rest of his life. He was elected governor of New York in 1928, 
Four years later, he was president of the United States, the leader of a country caught in the grip of the worst depression in history. European countries, drowning in the same economic despair, were turning away from democracy and looking to dictators like Adolf Hitler and Mussolini. Roosevelt promised a new deal in America based on the democratic system of government. We in America know that our own democratic institutions can be preserved and made to work. But in order to preserve them, we need to act together to meet the problems of the nation boldly and to prove that the practical operation of democratic government is equal to the task of protecting the security of the people. When Roosevelt launched the first 100 days of his administration, one out of every four American workers was unemployed. As never before in history, FDR used the powers of the presidency to guide and shape the country's destiny. Bread lines and street corner apple carts disappeared as Roosevelt pushed through his legislative alphabet. WPA, CCC, FHA, TVA, NRA, FICA. The growl of his critics mounted to a deafening roar, but Roosevelt felt the government had no recourse but to act, and act now. Your government seeking to protect democracy must prove that government is stronger than the forces of business depression. <laughs> The vigor of his administration and the warmth of his fireside chats were enough to convince the American voters. Franklin Roosevelt had sailed the ship of state through the rough seas of a paralyzing depression, and a grateful people re-elected their captain in 1936. I believe that we have been right in the course we have charted to abandon our purpose of building a greater a more stable and a more tolerant America would be to miss the tide and perhaps to miss the port. I propose to sail ahead. I feel sure that your hopes, I feel sure that your help is with me. But across the Atlantic, new storm clouds were gathering destined to rain a shower of death and destruction never before seen in the history of mankind. The thunderous hordes of Nazi Germany were sweeping across Europe. By the late 1930s, the shadows of war had lengthened and deepened across the world as the strident voice of a hate-filled dictator swelled the military pride of the German nation. It was the voice of Adolf Hitler. On September 1st, 1939, Germany invaded Poland, and World War II had begun. Re-elected in 1940, the first three-term president in history, Franklin Roosevelt pledged that America would remain neutral, but warned that the destiny of the nation might soon steer us on a different course. Once I prophesied that this generation of Americans had a rendezvous with destiny, that prophecy comes true. 
To us, much is given. More is expected. The drums of war grew closer every day as the nations of Europe fell before the Nazi blitzkrieg, one by one. Although supplies were sent to aid the beleaguered countries of Great Britain and Russia, America remained neutral. And then, on the quiet Sunday morning of December 7, 1941, Japanese planes struck at Pearl Harbor. The flames of World War II had finally engulfed the United States. Yesterday, December 7, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. The United States of America was suddenly and deliberately attacked by naval and air forces of the Empire of Japan. With confidence in our armed forces, with the unbounding determination of our people, we will gain the inevitable triumph, so help us God. Three days later, Germany and Italy declared war on the United States, and America's commander-in-chief, Franklin Roosevelt, mobilized the nation's vast resources for the long and bitter conflict. Roosevelt called on every man, woman, and child to join in this crusade for freedom. Every single man, woman, and child is a partner in the most tremendous undertaking of our American history. We must share together the bad news and the good news, the defeats and the victories, the changing fortunes of war. Through Bhutan, North Africa, Guadalcanal, D-Day, Iwo Jima, Franklin Roosevelt led the Allied forces on the bloody road to victory. But even as he fought the war, he planned for peace working day and night to ensure the future of mankind. But for Roosevelt, the years were taking their toll. In 1945, he was elected president for the fourth time and shortly thereafter embarked on a lengthy journey of peace, meeting with Joseph Stalin and Winston Churchill at Yalta. When he returned to report to the nation, Roosevelt was sick and weary. I hope that you will pardon me for an unusual posture of sitting down during the presentation of what I want to say. But I know that you will realize that it makes it a lot easier for me in not having to carry about 10 pounds of steel round on the bottom of my legs. And also because of the fact that I have just completed a 14,000-mile trip. Two months later, Franklin Roosevelt was dead. The world was stunned. The age of Roosevelt was over. His last days had been clouded by a new and growing threat to world peace, communism. But he had held fast to his belief that the day was approaching when all the nations of the world would live and work together in harmony and freedom everywhere around the globe. We look forward to a world founded upon four essential human freedoms. The first 
is freedom of speech and expression. Everywhere in the world, the second is freedom of every person to worship God in his own way everywhere in the world. The third is freedom from want everywhere in the world. The fourth is freedom from fear, which translated into world terms means a worldwide reduction of armaments to such a point and in such a thorough fashion that no nation will be in a position to commit an act of physical aggression against any neighbor anywhere in the world.